Our Gospel reading today comes from the Gospel according to St. Luke, the 19th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. They say that even a broken clock is right twice a day. So what if Zacchaeus is the exception to the rule? Now, now we know that he's a tax collector. In fact, he is or was the chief tax collector. And the passage says that he was rich, wealthy, flush, doing quite well. So he was not anyone's favorite person. Because tax collectors were Jewish citizens contracted by Rome to collect taxes from their own family and neighbors, from their own people. And their income was simply skimming off the top to collect more than what was required by Rome in order to have some for themselves. There was no one to monitor how much a tax collector took off the top, so they typically took a lot for themselves simply because they could. Now, chief tax collectors were the middlemen in charge of an area and taking from their own tax collectors before passing the required amount on to Rome. This was Zacchaeus' job, his vocation. He was seen as an ultimate traitor to his people. And because he was wealthy, everyone looked at him and his possessions and saw what he clearly stole from them. All they saw was a crook. But what if he wasn't? Luke makes sure we all know how tax collectors were viewed and how money was viewed. Now on the one hand, being wealthy typically in that day and age meant that God had clearly blessed a person. Wealth was a sign of God's favor. Being poor was a sign that you had done something to displease God. Poor people were lazy people or sick people, and we know how illness was seen as another sign of sin. But times haven't changed much, have they? Now Luke's gospel account makes a big deal about turning that ideal upside down. Blessed are the poor, Jesus says, not the poor in spirit, as Matthew quotes, but simply the poor. Blessed are the poor, and woe to those who have much. And in Mary's Magnificat, she sings about how the wealthy will be brought down and the poor lifted up. In chapter 18, right before today's passage, we hear first about the rich man who wanted to know how to get to heaven, 
And Jesus tells him to go and sell everything he has, give the money to the poor and follow him. And the rich man leaves feeling dejected because he can't do it. Luke also has thoughts on words versus actions when it comes to righteousness. Again, in chapter 18, we hear about the Pharisee and the tax collector who both go to the the temple to pray. And the Pharisee says, thank God I'm not a sinful man like that tax collector. And the tax collector can hardly speak as he lets his heart pour out his confession and his desire for forgiveness. So we get both of these themes coming together in today's text. For Luke, we assume that rich is bad, poor is good, and the ones who truly need repentance don't even know it. We also know that tax collectors are considered traitors, and the children of Abraham can't assume that they will see salvation just because of their heritage. And we generally hear the story as one of conversion. The sinful man is seen by Jesus, called into his presence, he changes his ways and is commended for his, for his faith. But that's not what it says. The story leaves all of these assumptions and themes in a pile and turns them all inside out. We hear that Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus is rich, that he's a tax collector, that he's short in stature, a wee little man, presumably, presumably both inside and out. But we also learn that he wanted to see who Jesus is. He wanted to put a face to the man who was preaching against wealth and empire and turning on one another. He even climbs up into a tree, making a complete fool of himself just in order to get a look at Jesus because everyone else was in his way. Everyone else was in his way of seeing Jesus. And the first words out of Jesus' mouth are, Zacchaeus, come down. We're going to your house now. And as we all would expect, the crowds get a little bit disgruntled. And I sort of imagine in my head the the ugly stepsisters in Cinderella as the prince dances with his chosen one instead of the jealous girls who literally spent the whole week primping and preening in order to get his attention. There were probably people in the crowd who had prepared their homes and lavish meals as soon as they heard Jesus was coming their way, just in case. He decided to dine with them. But he asked this man, who isn't even fit for polite society. And without a heads up, Zacchaeus hops down and welcomes Jesus into his home. He had no time to prepare, and he's still walking around with leaves in his hair. But he's so excited to get to know Jesus better. And as the grumbling and backbiting reaches its pinnacle, Zacchaeus finally stands his ground and says, Look, Half of my possessions I give to the poor. Now, that's not how our translation has it, but the Greek has it in present tense, not future tense, as if this is his reality already. Half of my possessions I give to the poor. And if I defraud anyone of anything, I pay back four times as much, which is much more than the law requires. Again, in the present tense. And perhaps I imagine the unrecorded part of the conversation continues with him saying, unlike the rest of you. So I wonder then, what is the meaning of this story? 
This man who perhaps wasn't living up or down to everyone's expectations. This man who perhaps was doing more for his community than anyone imagined. Perhaps he was using his position of authority to make sure the poor weren't taken advantage of. This man who was small in stature may very well have made himself small, not imposing or intimidating or showing off his good works. Maybe he kept his life in the shadows because he didn't need his community's acceptance, because God's acceptance was already enough for him. Maybe. And we assume we know the story so well that we forget to listen to it, to look deeply into it, to ponder whether we might actually be wrong. That's a different practice for any of us, really, to admit that we might be wrong. It would have been a very difficult pill for the, to swallow for the crowds as well. But Jesus helps them get it down by reminding them that salvation has come to Zacchaeus' house and the person of Jesus simply because he is a child of Abraham, just like they are. And that he came to seek, the, seek and save the lost, meaning perhaps not only Zacchaeus, but the whole crowd, all of us. Are we not lost when we put ourselves in the way of those seeking to know and see Jesus? When all they see is our backsides, when while we clamor over each other to get a peek ourselves? Are we not lost when we presume to know the hearts and minds of people just because of their stature or their skin color or their vocation? Are we not lost when we find ourselves buying into lies and half-truths because they work to our advantage better than the hard truth does? Are we not lost when, no matter how hard we try, we cannot change what others think and assume about us, about what we have or don't have, what we want or don't want, what we might or might not be up to? Friends, Jesus sees you today. Whether you are being trampled in the crowd or have sought higher ground in a tree, Jesus sees your heart and knows your mind and understands your challenges and has been where you are. Christ is looking directly at you today and is inviting you to come because today God is dwelling in your house. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about how that's supposed to look or feel or how it should make you better than you are. God is lodging with you. God is accepting you. God is loving you. Now, today, and every day. Amen.